Hey, Real Talk listeners, welcome back. We have been like on a roll, Michelle, kind of talking through DEI initiatives. And interestingly enough, you know, we talked about the last topic about toxic masculinity. And it's interesting because we're just going to continue the topic on toxicity in the work environment. I think I like that we are balancing, um, you know, kind of both ends of the spectrum when we take a look at gender roles and like the toxicity in the workplace environment. And I think we really need to hone in and have, you know, a fair conversation on the other side of the gender roles. I mean, what do you think, Michelle? You know what, Maria, you actually did bring it up um, in the last episode. And because that one was so full, we weren't really able to dig into it. But I think it is time that we start talking about toxic femininity. You know, it's the idea behind toxic femininity is one that is often pushed aside or ignored because I, you know what? I don't know why, but you'll know, give you an example. I was having a conversation with some young adult women and they were talking about how males in the workforce were sabotaging them to keep them from getting ahead or getting promoted. And as I thought through my career, I was being very honest with myself. And even though I have absolutely encountered chauvinism and sexism in the workforce, never to a level that it directly impacted me negatively, but I could come up with a half a dozen examples of where other women stood in my way of progress, whether that was passive aggressively or straight out chopping me off at the knees in order to be successful themselves. And so while it is a topic that is not common and it hasn't been discussed as frequently as something like toxic masculinity, it is a real thing in corporate America. In fact, about a month after I had that conversation with those young women, I was at a conference where Brene Brown was a keynote speaker. And someone in the audience stood up. Brene was talking specifically about how to confidently tell someone that while you might respect them as an individual, you don't respect and will not tolerate the behavior that they're demonstrating. So she was kind of empowering the group with some talk tracks to have that conversation. And a lady in the audience stood up and said, what if it's a female? She's like, I get bullied and harassed by the other females within my organization more than I do anyone else. And Brene paused for a second and she sort of explained her philosophy around why that was happening, but then still equipped the woman with the right words by saying, poor behavior is poor behavior. It does not matter who it comes from. You are still empowered to tell people that their behavior is unacceptable. But it was interesting to me that topic came up twice. And in both cases, there was a lot of pushback that it wasn't a thing, or at least it wasn't a thing 
that was impactful enough to have a conversation about in their minds. Yeah, it's interesting. This article, um, if you guys want to check it, it's on hormona.io. And they literally talk about this exact topic, which is interesting. Um, But it's funny you bring up like the toxic environment and then how competitive women are against one another. But it's interesting because there's like literally a part in here. It says, but when women in competitive environments turn against each other, rather than being mutually proud and respectful that against all odds, they both made it. It really is rather sad. And I agree with this. I think it's sad because there has been, I mean, when you take a look at the gender gap and compensation and, you know, roles and responsibilities at organizations like we have come so far, but we are still so far away, right? And for anybody in any type of community to really kind of push each other down or be be really ridiculous against one another, I think it's just it's ridiculous. It's it's ridiculous that it has to come, especially from the same gender, especially f- you know females. Like to be honest with you, it's just ridiculous. Like we should really be bringing each other up than pushing each other down. Absolutely. So let's pause for a second, just like we did with toxic masculinity and clear up a few things. It's really kind of hard. There's a lot. It's sort of like the same thing with toxic masculinity. There's a lot of concepts and a lot of different opinions about what falls into the type of behavior that would be considered toxic femininity. But it is basically the same thing as toxic masculinity, only it is feminine traits. And if you think about it, feminine traits tend to tend to be softer. We talked about that in the last podcast when we talked about yin and yang or feminine and masculine. Not talking about genders here. I'm specifically talking about traits that are associated to a certain thing. If it bothers you that I'm using the term femininity or masculinity, please replace that with yin and yang. It's the same concept. But there are those softer traits. There's actually a place in here where it says, it says something to the effect of when toxicity comes from a woman, chances are that it'll feel like being stabbed in the back or being passive aggressive because women don't usually come straight out in front of you. I think it's one of the reasons, Marie and I, you get along really well. There are people that I've worked with in my past. Um, There's a, a woman I really respect, Kimberly Newton. And one of the things that I respect and get along with both of you so well is that it's not about being passive with us. It truly is about saying what needs to be said when it needs to be said, supporting when it needs to be support, and then having honest, open conversations when it does. And I can actually remember Kimberly having a conversation with me when a project did not go well. Um, And we were business partners. She was not my boss, but she still came to me and she just simply said, hey, what's going on? I've seen your work in the past. I know you're an effing rock star something's going on with you. Um, And sure enough, she was right. Something was going on. It wasn't my best work. But the reality is most women in a competitive environment don't do that because it's not how we were raised. 
that's not what we were taught to do. So going back to that definition, it's essentially when women use feminine traits or ideas, and I'm going to say socially associated feminine traits or ideas. So if you think about leave it to beaver, socially accepted traits, right? It's when you use those kind of behaviors against other women. And that's another key thing here is in most cases, toxic femininity is used against other women, whereas toxic masculinity, while it absolutely has a detrimental impact on other men, it also has an equal impact, negative impact on women. In this case, women tend to, women who display these traits tend to stick to intimidating other women. But what's the point? I mean, seriously, let's let's talk through that, right? So I'm sitting here in human resources getting feedback from Sally on the investigation line that she's getting intimidated by another female. Why are we doing this? I mean, there's absolutely a lot of concepts. I think there's no question there are bad people within groups or when you look at a group of people. And it's it's one of the things that I struggle with when it comes to the idea that someone would condemn an entire class of people based on one person's actions, because there are good and bad people that could fall into any bucket, right? So there's no question there are some nasty women in the world who just happen to be not nice people, right? For sure. And some are trying to get ahead and I get it. You know, it's interesting because it's like, this article talks about signs to look over, uh, to look out for, right? Like passive aggression, sabotage, jealousy, competing with other female colleagues on their look, dominance. And yeah, it's just interesting. Gossiping, resentment, bitterness. But there's also a theory that often when groups of people show aggression, within that group or amongst themselves, it can often be traced back to a systemic problem. And an example that I'm going to use in this case is women holding other women back. But we could apply this to people from different races or different religions. And the same thing would apply. When we look at organizations, the reality still stands that At the decision-making level, most major organizations do not have a lot of diversity. In many cases, the diverse person at that decision-making level is the only, they are the only person representing an entire group of people. So when you are in an environment where chances are it feels like there's only going to be one female promoted to the VP level. Or if I look at the greater organization and there has never been a female at the C-suite level within that organization, then it becomes clear to me if there's only one seat for females, it means that every other female in that building 
has automatically become a competition. And now you could, you could argue, same thing applies to a male, right? If there's nine males at the table, every other male in the business is now their competition, but at least there are nine seats. So there are nine chances um, of you getting there. When there's only one seat, the claws tend to come out, particularly for those women who have a slightly different moral compass. It's true. The claws do tend to come out. And you, you'll you see this like as you get higher into roles uh, with the executive and C-suite, you'd see less females there and boards, right? And it's interesting because like some states within the United States have required like a certain amount of females on a board particular. And I feel like companies just do whatever the minimum are. And then you actually see some companies that actually, you know, really create the inclusivity on, you know, the board and things like that to have more diversity, but it creates more of opportunity for like, a, you know, some of this toxicity to occur um, in certain levels. So it's also important though, and this is why I think it's hard in this particular case for successful and um, assertive women to participate in this conversation. And it's because there's such a fine line between having the drive to be successful and being toxic. And I don't believe that there's actually a fine line. I believe that there's a, a, a line that affords people the ability to take a determined characteristic and turn it into an aggressive or a toxic characteristic. And women already face that in a lot of cases where if a man is assertive, he's often referred to as an assertive man. If a woman demonstrates those same behaviors, we have historically been referred to as emotional or aggressive and told we need to calm down. And so similar behaviors taken from a female point of view are often looked at negatively, even though you might see the same or even more aggressive from a male. And it's seen as someone who is trying to be successful and make their way up the corporate ladder. So I think when it comes to this conversation, there's a fear that we're opening the door to say that if you are determined, if you are willing to be straight and honest, that you're being an aggressive woman when ultimately that might not be the case. It's true. And I think you see that a lot in comments of the potential next female president that may be overly emotional and dramatic and whatever with her, you know, male colleagues that, you know, or her political colleagues from other countries. There's always an assumption there. It's crazy. It is, but it's, it's a reality. And we talk about these things and you'll even notice that Maria and I pause as we're going through this because we're not trying to present things in a way that make it more uncomfortable than it already is. We're trying to find a way to present it as a different point of view so that people will start to recognize the implications of their actions. You know, it wasn't until probably 10 years ago 
where the entire culture started being open about the idea of microaggressions, right? They've existed through all of time. And and a microaggression, guys, I know you know what it is. It is when there's some subtle behavior or comment and a lot of people would just blow it off as meaning nothing. Like if you say things like you people, even if you don't mean it to classify someone as a group, all of those things, all those microaggressions work to reinforce the concept that you're trying to keep someone in their place. So that isn't a comfortable conversation to talk about. And it's not comfortable to be told that you've demonstrated those traits before. But at some point, we've got to talk about it comfortable or not or we won't continue to grow as human beings. And here's a hard reality. I talk about it all the time when I am able to stand back and look at my niece, her generation, and her group of friends. They are making decisions, and we see it in the workforce right now today with the great resignation and people not willing to come in and work your jobs. There's a group of people that have finally said, I'm going to make life decisions, and that includes my job, based on my values um, and my morals. And if you're not aligned with them, peace, I'll find someone else. Um, And not only are they making those choices super clear in the workforce by either accepting or turning down jobs, but they're making it even more prominent in social media as a whole by starting campaigns and voicing lies, or not voicing lies, but uncovering lies about different organizations to put it out there. So we really are dealing with a group of people who, when I look again at my niece and her group of friends, who have said, we've got to change as a society. And that means facing the truth, regardless of how uncomfortable it is. If you see something, say something. (laughs) Exactly. Um, And you've got to say something because again, the target, and I hate the term victim in cases like this, but the target or the person that's being harassed, they are less likely to report than anyone else. So if you see it, you know, it's unacceptable. You've got to say something. Any other advice for people in the workforce? I know that was one of the takeaways from, obviously, for the male, uh, you know, uh, masculine discussion. But uh, any other takeaways that's most critical for people to be observant of? So one of the things that I would start with, you mentioned some of the behaviors, right? Which is belittling other women, talking over them demonstrating a lot of passive aggressive traits like eye rolling, patronizing, niceties in front of your face, gossiping, sabotaging, jealousy, resentment towards others. All of those kind of, they suggest that there might be a problem. And we've said this a lot of times. These are not things that say this person is a problem. They are things that suggest that there might be something else going on with this person. Um, But once you've identified something or someone as being toxic, then 
it's time that you suck it up and own who you are and let them know that their behavior is unacceptable. And I'm going to use my favorite phrase. I use it all the time. And it is the idea of it's okay that you feel blah, 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 or it's okay, blah, but it's not okay, blah. And so in this case, let's even go to the idea that someone is backstabbing because they feel like it's a competition between you and them and they're going to lose out, possibly lose out to you. Then I would approach it by being straight forward. It is okay that you recognize that we are potentially in a competition. And as with me, I feel uncomfortable about that as well. It stresses me out because I also want that job. I suspect that you feel the same. What is not okay is for you to gossip about me behind my back, is for you to fill in the blank with whatever said behavior is. But yeah, once you see it, you've got to take a stand. You can't fall into that trap because that's where we end up, where none of us are helping each other up. We're all just finding out how we can step on the person below us in order to get to the next step in the process. Sadly. Well, very insightful, Michelle. I think it's super passionate about this subject because, you know, I'm a strong feminist in some areas, but... uh, I was trying to hold back and make sure I remained very unbiased. (laughs) You know, it's interesting. I actually love that you brought up that fact because even the article that you referred to, they talk about how toxic femininity is the exact opposite of the idea or the principles behind feminism. You know, if you if you truly look at the point of feminism is equality. Feminism is a campaign. It's an agenda. It's a movement to ensure that women are afforded the same opportunities as men in the workplace. And when you think about how we describe toxic femininity, it's the exact opposite of that because it's about women tearing each other down so that one woman can be successful and not all of us. But even looking at toxic masculinity, which we talked about before, it goes against the principles of feminism as well in that the goal of feminism is to treat people equally. Now, in this case, feminism, we are fighting for females because that is the group that had been marginalized that feminism was created to support. But if men aren't treated justly in the workforce, again, it's the exact opposite of what we're going for, which is equal treatment for people. Now, I'm going to pause one more time, Maria, because you know I'm going to get this question. Equal treatment does not equal sameness. I recognize that there are certain things that I may not be qualified to do. but Equal treatment means that we all get the same opportunities based on the skills, the experience, and the positions that are open, right? So it even goes back to conversations we've had around equal pay. 
So when we say equal pay, well, at least when I say equal pay, I don't mean everybody in your building should make $20 an hour. I believe everybody in your building should appropriately land within a pay scale for the job that they are doing. Um, And I believe that you should be able to openly look at that, those wages, and not be able to identify things like the fact that all of the females are on the low end of that pay range and all of the males are on the high end, even though the females may have the same education and experience. And so when we talk about quality, that's what we're talking about. We're not saying sameness. And that could be an entire topic on itself, I'm sure. (laughs) We could do a whole series on that, Michelle. Right. What's the difference between equal and same? Totally. Which I think we need to train some of these uh, leaders on at some organizations uh, as they make some compensation decisions. But Or savior of your choice. (laughs) Well, we appreciate you, Michelle, giving your insights and really helping guiding our podcast listeners to some direction on toxicity with whatever gender roles, like you said, yin or yang within your workplace and how we can continue to elevate those from a leadership perspective, a CEO, an HR person, or even yourself. If you see something, say something. Until next time, take care, listeners. Bye. Bye.